I always found acting boring because there's not enough to do. You do it and then you're finished. And now what are you going to do? You know, they would go back to the office to do rewrites and changes and all that kind of stuff. So I would go into the booth and listen when I wasn't on in the scene, and then I'd go back to the office and they'd let me sit there with them when they were doing rewrites and cuts. So I got interested in all of it, and when I started working on suspense, Spear asked me, because I was writing suspense in addition to acting on it, I wrote some of them, and I edited a great many of them. And Spear had to go away and he asked me if I wanted to direct it, and I said, yeah, sure. So I directed one, and then the CBS people wanted to do Broadway's My Beat, which had been on in the East. They wanted to move it out here, and they needed a producer-director. Mort Fine, David Friedkin were going to write it, and we cooked up the idea of scoring it with a jazz orchestra and got Sandy Courage for that. I, all of a sudden, was directing a show every week. Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Broadway, it's a neon shriek of despair that claws across the face of night, that tears up the black wind that beats against the silent dust. Its struggle and confusion and the dance of shadows on a spectacular illuminated with 10,000 fragments of light. It screams, it sobs, it whimpers, it laughs. The face of night has not changed. It's Broadway, my beat. They were waiting, the harbor police, their launch dancing against the shadows of the curious waiting and bound in the veil of mist rising above the river. They were waiting for me. Hiya, Danny. You got here first. Up aboard the launch. Yeah. Okay, Scammer, let her go. All right, Florio, fill me in. Well, Danny, it goes something like this. The city engineers were dredging the river for some social purposes. Uh, No philosophy, Florio. I'm not up to it. Yeah, okay, Danny. Like I was going to tell you, they was dredging the river and they come upon a car at the bottom of Saint. Huh? They call the Derrick Department. The mobile department sends out a barge with a Derrick. The Derrick wraps a chain around the car, gives a mighty heave and a pull, and... There it is, Danny, hanging there in the floodlights. How did the car get in the river? Well, the engineers figured that the only place it could have come from was off that bridge up there. Where on the bridge? Well, that's what's funny. There ain't a mark on the bridge, not even a blemish. Guard rail ain't touched. If the car crashed... I want pictures in every foot of the bridge. Now, let's get on the barge, Florio. Tell him to lower the car, Florio. Hey, engineer, lower the boom. Boy and girl in the car, Danny. It's a long time in the river. How long? The engineer says from the amount of rust on the car, two or three days. Here, help me open the car door, Florio. Yeah, Danny. Well, that river water rusted the lock. What would you try? Bad man, you got muscles, Danny. Danny. 
Why did you have to call me, Florio? Why me? But this makes it all the more down your alley, Danny. The bullet holes plugged neatly in the heart region. One each to each. They weren't not only drowned, were they? No. Florio, come here. Yeah? Yeah, Danny. What do you want? What does this look like to you? It looks like the front end of the car was smashed, like it hit something. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me. You think that's something, Danny? Come around here to the back. Now you see that, Danny? And you tell me I shouldn't be philosophical. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, Danny. A sign. A sign that says, just married. <laughs> Broadway's My Beat first took to the air on CBS from New York on February 27, 1949. It starred Anthony Ross and was directed by John Dietz. After 15 weeks, with Dragnet breaking new ground on NBC, CBS moved the show's production to Hollywood. Elliot Lewis was by then helping to edit scripts for Bill Spear on Suspense. With the urging of men like Spear and Bill Robeson, the 28-year-old Lewis was given the chance to direct the show. He was born in Manhattan on November 28, 1917. He told Radio Life, you should hear the city constantly. Even the people in New York are noisy. Three sound men were often needed to recreate that New York flavor. Lewis's first regular turn as director came on July 7th, 1949, when the repackaged Broadway is My Beat, debuted as a summer replacement for the FBI in Peace and War. Along with David Friedkin, Morton Fine would become one of Lewis's go-to writers. Broadway is My Beat is the first series you wrote regularly. Was it your idea or your and David's no, idea? No, as a matter of fact, it had been done before David and I got hold of it. It was done out in New York. And the mavens in New York felt that whoever was writing it in New York was not capturing the flavor of New York, so they brought it to Hollywood, where two <laughs> other writers caught the flavor, allegedly, of New York by so, sitting down in Hollywood and writing. Who's lost in the Larry Thor would star as Danny Clover. Larry Thor, marvelous man. We were good buddies. And a music anecdote about Larry which is revealing us to the kind of pixie character he was in real life. He wanted to know what time it was. So he called the operator and asked her what time it was. And she wouldn't tell him. <laughs> he got back on the phone, asked for long distance. He wanted to talk person to person with his brother Magnus Thor in Reykjavik, Iceland. And he asked her what time it was there. He wanted to know whether he was calling at a proper hour. She told him. He then subtracted nine hours from that and found out what time it was in Hollywood. <laughs> Rounding out the regular cast was Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian, doubling as both Sergeant Mugovan and Dr. Sinsky. My start was at CBS Radio here in Hollywood, doing a sustaining show, we used to call those. It meant you didn't get paid. That's right. right? right. sponsored yeah. It also meant you didn't get paid in those days. Oh, really? $3? No. 1938? Oh, I got gore. And 
And it was 13 weeks, a wonderful experience because I got to play a different foreign character every week. And at the age of 16, that was pretty exciting. How about that? That's pretty, this kid here, are you kidding? She was a baby. Yeah. I was at least, I was a graduate of high school. Jack Crucian. What can I say about Jack? He always played two parts on Broadway's Mike Pete. One of Dr. Sinsky, character, who was the medical doctor for the police department. And whoever else was needed as a character within the play. But he always doubled. Broadway's My Beat featured some of the best Hollywood radio talent, like Barney Phillips, Virginia Gregg, Tony Barrett, Herb Butterfield, Betty Lou Gerson, Hi Averback, Kathy Lewis, Harry Bartell, Lawrence Dobkin, Mary Jane Croft, and Herb Vigran. Although no sponsorship was forthcoming, CBS Brass was impressed with Elliot Lewis's capabilities. The March 17, 1950 episode was called the Charles and Jane Kimball murder case. Uh, good morning, Danny. Yeah, I give you a greeting, Danny. Good morning. Oh, hi, Sergeant. How are you? Tall in the saddle. You're what? Tall in the saddle, Danny. This is an answer heard all the time west of the Great Divide. Intelligence from my youngest boy, Giovanni, who was studying to be a cowboy by box tops and television. Yahoo, Tartaglio. Hey, what kind of intelligence did you get from upstairs? Give me the rundown. Rundown to wit. Identity of occupants of car established from respective wallets. Established occupants to be Mr. and Mrs. Charles Kimball, knee Jane Miller. Mm -hmm. Married two days ago at the home of the bride where the groom had been an erstwhile and former boarder. Go ahead. Well, that's the intelligence from upstairs, Danny. And what may I ask is that envelope? Oh, here. It's the photographs Lou Jacobs took of the bridge off of which the cop plunged down. Hmm. Yeah. Now I believe it. This morning it was too early. Maybe I wasn't hearing right. But now I believe it. Huh? Look at these pictures. Uh, let's see. This guardrail on the bridge is four feet high. It's untouched. Uh-huh. Nowhere along the whole length of it is there a sign that the car crashed through it. Well, then how could the car get in the middle of the East River, Danny? Under 30 feet of water. That's a tall-in-the-saddle type question, Sergeant. How did the car get there? Tartaglia shrugged, blinked, silently pleaded to be excused from the room, didn't wait for permission, got out. That left me alone with it. How did the car get there? How did it hurdle a four-foot barrier without a mark, a scratch on said barrier? How? And then the question I'd been touting away from my brain. Why? Why the bullet-torn flesh of a boy and girl on a honeymoon, their blood washed away on a river slime? And then I knew no policeman's riddle, no games with the equations of murder could hold it back any longer. It had to be done, so I did it. I called on the parents of a dead bride. Just a moment. I'll only be a moment. Yes. What is it, please? Mrs. Miller? Yes, I'm Mrs. Miller. Uh, please, if you're selling something, I'm afraid I can't do you any good. You see, we're in a, in a kind of... A, well, everything's different now. And... I'm for the police, Mrs. Miller. Yes, I know, but I'm sorry. I'd like to help... 
the police? May I come in? Well, but everything's so upset. I I don't like for people to see my house this way. I... It's about your daughter. Oh, but Jane's away on her honeymoon. May I come in, Mrs. Miller? Well, she won't be back for another ten days. Please come in. This way, Mr. Uh... Clover. Danny Clover. Uh, Mr. Clover. I'm sure you'll want to talk to my husband, too. We've been rearranging the furniture. You see, two of our rooms are unoccupied now, and uh, Ben... Yeah, what do you want? Well, don't move the chair now, Ben. It's the policeman, uh, Mr. Clover. (laughs) Couldn't you have stated your business at the door, Mr. Clover? You see, I'm quite occupied at the moment. It's uh, something about Jane, Ben, about Jane. What do you have to do with her, Mr. Clover? Do you have a picture of your daughter? Oh, yes, we have a whole album. A recent picture? Well, one of the wedding of her and Charles and Ben and me. May I see it, please? Wait a minute. What right have you to come into my house to... Oh, please, Ben. Mr. Clover just asked to look at Jane's picture. Well, there it is on the mantel, Mr. Clover. Well, that's Charles, her husband. Yes, Charles Kimball. Isn't he a fine-looking boy? There's no other way to say this. If there were another way, I'd give... They're dead. They're both dead. Murdered. Get out of my house. Go on. Go on. Get out. Please, get ben, him out of here. Ben. I'll kill him. What kind of a filthy joke is he trying to play on us? Go on. Get him out. Ben, Ben, don't. Don't. Who would want to kill our boy and girl, Mr. Clover? We don't know, Mrs. Miller. That's why I came here, because we don't know. Charles lived here with us. He and Jane fell in love. They got married two days ago. And went on the honeymoon to Niagara Falls. We were waiting for a letter, a, a postcard. Why should they be killed, Mr. Clover? Charles, where are his family, Mrs. Miller? He had none. He came here after the war, rented a room from us, worked hard. Charles and Janie, they were two people, Mr. Clover, nothing more. Oh. Tell him to ask someone else I am. Get what he wants from someone else. Not from us. Tell him that, Anne. Ben. Ben. What do you think it's doing to me? To me? They were found in a car in the... A car? The one we gave them for their wedding present. Ben and I knew all along, so we saved for it. Anne. Yes, Ben. What what do you want? Ask him to help us, Anne. I'm sorry. Ask him to help us. Yes, Ben. Will you help us, Mr. Clover? It was a basic question. It had a background of a few thousand years to it. A man's child had been killed. A man's child needed avenging. As simple as that. There's a cult that comes with civilization. Men who put on white jackets buttoned at the throat and measure violent death with slide rules. Who stare at murder in the cross-section through microscopes. Who dissolve it and shake it up in test tubes until death has a color to it. One of the men in the white jackets was named John Gordon. He was a technician for the police department technical division. I called on him. Something I can do for you, Lieutenant? Yeah. The report on the automobile dredged out of the river early this morning. Huh? Just a minute. Well? 
Well, wait till I finish reading this article, Lieutenant. You don't expect me to put it down now, do you? Yeah, I expect that. Have you read it? No. No, I don't expect you have. The isometric measurement of hydrogen ion concentration versus colorimetric measurements. <laughs> Imagine you reading that. What do you read, Lieutenant? Obituaries, Gordon. Where's the report? I had it ready an hour ago. I waited for you. Now I'm here. Get it. I'll tell you about it. Chock full of charts and graphs and chemical reagents. <laughs> You'd be distressed. What's your great sorrow, Gordon? Who did what to you? The report, Lieutenant. It says the passenger car and the truck... What truck? Oh, please. What? All right. The size, the shape of the crumped front end of the passenger car, together with the molecular displacement of the metal, indicates that the car, assuming a normal rate of speed, indicates that the car hit a truck. What kind of truck? I was getting to that. I don't know. Scrapings indicate that the paint of the truck was new and not its original coat, a widely used paint. From information available, the make of the truck is impossible to identify. What else? My, my job is done. Now it's in your, well, your very capable hands, I'm sure. Yeah. Pardon me. John Gordon, Police Department, Technical Laboratory speaking. Oh? Uh, yeah. Yes, he's here. For you, Lieutenant. Thanks. Hello? They switched me to you, Danny. On account of I asked. It almost took too long. Who is this? Floyd Carpa, Danny. Come get me, kid. I got news for you. Well, tell me now, Carpa. What kind? Charles and Jane Kimber. The couple who took a honeymoon in the river. Come get me, kid. Yeah, where? Bowery. 320 Front Street. Walk back. Hurry, kid. Carpa. Come get me, Danny. Please, listen. I never said it to a cop before. Listen, come get me. Please. It was a name to launch a minor nightmare. Floyd Carpa. A man who dressed too well, perhaps despite the memory of the years of wearing cast-off clothes. A little man with hate perched on his shoulder like a sharp-beaked creature. Vocation? Hoodlum. Majoring in bank hold-ups. Three of them. Two convictions. Floyd Carpa in the Bowery. He didn't belong there. Carpa saying he knew about the Kimball murders. It didn't fit. Carpa saying please to the police. It didn't make sense. 320 Front Street, he'd said. I went there. Walked back, he said. I did that. I'm Danny Clover here. Carpa? Carpa? Hey, what? I'm coming in. You almost made it at that. It was Carpa, all right. I had to look close to make sure, but it was he. No hate now. Something lent its own special expression to his face. Something, the bullet wound in his stomach, the time of pain... The final hugging close of the darkness. Floyd Carper was dead. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor.